What's up, guys? It's Clay Finkley, uh, one of the pastors for The Rock, and man, I can't believe we are already finished with our Better series. I think it's been a perfect way for us to start the, the new year as we try to d- get better by doing what is best. And for the past five weeks, we've been really, really trying to get better uh, as a church, as a family, as individuals, as friends. And I believe if we take the lessons that we have learned over the past five weeks, the world is going to change because of it. It might start small in a family. It might start small in an individual. But throughout time and throughout generations, the world will change. So I hope you enjoyed this last week. Kevin does a great job of helping us figure out how to discern God's will for our life. So go ahead, check this podcast out, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. All right. Good morning, and welcome to The Rock. Super excited to have you with us today. If you're checking in online, so glad you are here as well. Um, it's a good day to be here. Uh, It's been a while since I've preached with the Conway crowd, so I'm really excited to be with you this morning. Um, Starting next week, I'm going to be pretty much down at South Strand exclusively, or for the most part. So listen, if you live down by the South Strand area, we'd love to have you help us get that campus off and running well. Uh, Or if you know people that live in that direction, tell them to come check out our South Strand location. It's going to be exciting. Can't wait for that one to take off full time as well. But hey, today we have a lot to talk about, so we're going to jump right in. And let me start with this question. Um, Have you ever made a decision that you regretted? (laughs) Anyone? Right? Like, Like if your hand's not up or if you didn't just nod in agreement, then you weren't listening or you're a liar. Like it's one of those two and that's it. Um, So we're in this series called Better, how to have a better life, how to have better relationships, how to have a better joy for your life by doing those things that are best. And so listen, um, a few years back, I read this uh, little book called Changing Your Trajectory by a guy named Dale Bonner, Bishop Dale Bonner. But he had this really great line um, in that book that said this, outlook determines outcome. So so think about this, um, because that's a great point. If you're always seeing problems, then that's going to determine your outcome. Or are you seeing possibility? Are you always looking for the negative, or are you looking for positive? So your outlook on life will, in many ways, determine your outcomes. But think about this as well. Sometimes, or oftentimes, better outcomes are a result of better decisions, right? Like, this is going to be a really simple message. Just better decisions will lead to better outcomes. Is this not true? Uh, Andy Stanley wrote a great little book called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And that's the book in a nutshell, man. Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. You want to minimize regrets. You want to minimize mistakes, uh, unwanted consequences. Okay, well then ask better questions that will lead to better decisions, and that will create fewer regrets in your life. And again, really simple, but really great advice because oftentimes we do have unwanted outcomes. And listen, here's what I know. Oftentimes you and I, we want God to fix our outcomes. So fix the marriage, fix the kids, fix the job, fix the boyfriend, fix the relationship, fix the sickness, fix the sadness, fix the suffering, 
fix it, God. Just fix it, right? Like many times we want God to basically be fix it, Felix, because your life feels a lot like Wreck-It Ralph, okay? So God, just come and fix it. Okay, but listen to what Paul writes in Romans chapter 12. He says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of what? Your mind. So he's saying, God wants to renew, right? God wants to change your mind, change the way that you think so that you would make better decisions, so that you would have better discernment, and then you would have fewer regrets and better outcomes. Because here's what I know, right? Everyone in this room, right, all of you, um, you have a time whenever you made a decision, okay, and you thought, I am absolutely sure this is going to make me happy, right? I'm, I'm absolutely convinced and sure that this will bring me joy, right? I've got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart because this decision is it. It's going to be all that I hope for. And you were just certain that that decision, maybe it's a relationship decision, right, to marry someone, maybe a financial decision, lease the car, buy the house, take the loan, go to the school, whatever. And you were just confident that it was the right thing to do. And then you made the decision, and you experienced the outcome, and you realized you were absolutely wrong, right? Like, like you don't have to raise your hand, but everyone in the room that's over five has that story somewhere, all right? Or how about this? Have you ever tried to make a decision um, that you're just like, this is the right thing, this is going to be it, and then for whatever reason, right, before you were able to ink the deal, like, it, it just didn't work out. Um, she left you at the altar. The, the deal, the loan fell through. The promotion, the scholarship went to somebody else. <laughs> like, you were so mad, right? Like, you were just frustrated. Maybe, maybe even mad at God. And like, you told him. You're like, come on, God. Like, like you know how bad I wanted this. Like, like, you know. You know how much I really needed this thing. I thought you promised dot, 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 right? And you were just, mm, you were so frustrated and disappointed that it didn't work out. And then six months, two years, five years later, you look back on that thing and you're like, holy wow, I'm glad that didn't happen, <laughs> right? The dream job would have been a nightmare. Um, the bit of a fixer-upper would have been a money pit. The really, really cute boy turned out to be an Eagles fan. <laughs> Whatever, Eagles fans. I'm a Cowboy fan, and we're always disappointed, so. <laughs> the really cute girl now has, you know, more cats than shoes. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. Sorry, cat. That's just an easy shot every time. I apologize. But listen, you understand that. Everyone has the story of a time you tried to make a decision, and it just didn't work out, and then it turned out to be a blessing, okay? So how do we? Listen, how, how do we make better decisions? How do we learn to discern better and have the mind of Christ? Okay, well, we've been in this story reading about Joshua, and today we're going to pick it up in Joshua chapter 9. And again, just to fill you in if you're new. So God has sent Joshua to lead his people into the promised land. So they've come out of slavery in Egypt, wandered for 40 years in the desert. Now they're going into the promised land. They cross through the Jordan River, right, at flood stage. So like God holds back the rushing waters as they step into the river. We talked about this, took a step, and then stacked a stone of faith for that move. 
they've defeated Jericho, right? It has these massive walls, but they march around. They call on the brass section from the marching band, right? Blow the horns, walls come tumbling down. They defeated the city of Ai in a well-executed battle. Now, now, at first, they lost to Ai, and we saw this last week because of sin in the camp. They stole, they hid, they lied, and God dealt with that, but then they defeat the city of Ai. So, so now, the word, right, stories about God's people, and especially, especially their military victories are starting to spread throughout the area. So beginning, right, the first couple of verses of Joshua 9, you've got several kings from different areas going, hey, um, let's join forces, let's get together and tag team these fools, right? So they're coming in, so how about we band together? But then you've got another group of people that take a very different approach. Um, they're not going to try to get together with other kings and, and overpower them. They're instead going to try and trick them. So this is where we pick up the story, Joshua chapter 9. We'll pick it up in verse 3. Here's what we read. However, when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and to Ai, they resorted to a ruse, right? They're going to try and trick them. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with, watch this, worn out sacks and old wineskins, cracked and mended. They put worn and patched sandals on their feet and wore old clothes. So, I mean, they're really going all in on this ruse, right? All the bread in their food supply was dry and moldy. Then they went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him and the Israelites, we have come from a distant country, make a treaty with us. All right, here's what's going on. God has told Joshua and the Israelites not, okay, not to make a treaty with surrounding neighbors and peoples, okay? And this is why uh, the Gibeonites, they're going out of their way, and they're really overdoing this whole wearing worn out old clothes and bringing old, dry, moldy food because they want it to appear as if they've traveled a very, very long distance. And so initially, um, God's people are like, or, you know, maybe you actually come from very close and we shouldn't make a treaty with you, to which the Gibeonites are like, no, why would you even say that? Um, we're your servants is what they say, like they're trying to deflect don't you see how dirty and smelly and worn out we are? Don't you see how moldy our food is? Clearly, clearly, we come from a place far, far away. And then here's what Joshua says in verse 8. He says, who are you and where do you come from? Which is interesting because I read a commentary that said the way the Gibeonites framed this up when they said we have come from a distant country, make a treaty, um, they're implying we have arrived at where we want to be. The way Joshua frames his question, it suggests is, okay, where are you coming from as you're passing through? So even two different conversations they're having. So this is what Joshua says, where are you from? They answered again, your servants have come from a very distant. Did we say very Highlight very, very distant country because of the fame of the Lord your God. So, so even there, they're indicating this, that, that we've heard about this. We're not close enough to see or experience it because we don't live near you, but we heard about your fame. So right there, just working this whole thing. So a couple questions first as we talk about right decisions and discernment. Number one, 
where are these guys from? They say what? We're from a faraway place, from a very distant country, and they are lying, right? They're totally deceiving them. I would say this, you should be cautious about who you give access to your life, who you give access to your family, who you give access to your decision-making, right? And I would say someone can be an acquaintance, someone maybe you even know a little bit, that, that you would treat well, kind, thoughtfully, but that doesn't mean that they necessarily need to get close to your heart or to your home, right? And again, this isn't judging like, what well, are you judging them? No, I heard one pastor say, this is fruit inspection, right? Like you can be like, hey, I'm for you, but I'm going to need to see and know that you are producing good fruit before you get influence into my life or to those that I love. Because you really could be more sour grapes than fresh fruit. And so I'm proceeding with caution until that becomes apparent. So where are they from? They're lying about that. Next, what is their purpose? Right? What is their purpose? What is their motive? And here's completely to trick and to deceive and to lie to them. Um, so does the person want to hang out with you, to partner with you, to invest with you, to invite you in because of a noble purpose for an upright purpose? Or are they just looking to use you, take advantage of you, uh, just looking out for themselves? Does he want to date you? because he has really good Christ-centered intentions for you and for your future, or, or does he just want to have sex? What's the motive? Um, social media. All right, let's talk. Seriously. Uh, is it to help you connect? Is it to help you network? Maybe. Is it to help you stay informed? Or is it just causing you to compare, to criticize, FOMO, right? What am I missing out on? So now I become obsessed and now I'm depressed. Well, what is the motive and what is the purpose for that? And then third question, what is their character? So where are they from? What is the purpose? Character. And again, um, it's shady. It's deceitful. It's tricking. Um, I'm a guy who's an optimist. So I just tend to always believe the best and just, uh, and I just, I'm for everyone, right? I just, okay, I assume the best. My wife, who's right here, um, she's way more discerning, um, especially when it comes to character. She's a much better judge of character, especially initially. So she will tell me, she's like, hey, you know you can't trust that person, right? I'm like, I didn't know. Um, I just thought he was a nice guy. She's like, nope, you should pay attention. There's something off there. There's some questionable stuff going on. You need to be very aware and very alert. And I would say this, that everyone should be given a level of at least respect or grace as an image bearer of God. Not everyone is to be trusted because they don't always reflect that image well. <laughs> Tracking with that? Um, so what is, right? What is the motive? What is uh, their character? Do their actions reflect the heart of Christ? I, I remember, so right out of college, I was working at a, a golf course, um, and there was a couple there, and they'd been married for a couple years, and um, so I come in, knew the story, but her, Irv and Frankie, that's, that's their names, and so one day, Frankie is in uh, the clubhouse, and she's just so upset, and she's just really mad. She's like, I think that my husband is cheating on me and having an affair, and I'm so mad. Okay, well, their story was that the reason they were together is few years back, he had cheated on his wife with her and then left his wife to get married to her. And now she was really upset that he's having an affair. I'm like, that's really wrong, but I don't, I'm not sure why you're surprised because you do know how you got together, right? So 
what were their intentions and pay attention to their character and where they come from. So this is what we have. We have the Gibeonites that are coming in to deceive and they're coming in to trick. Okay, will it work, right? What will God's people do? How will they respond? Here's what we find starting in verse 14. So the Israelites, they did. They sampled their provisions. So they're doing the taste test of the food. And obviously it was awful because it's old and moldy. But, but they did not inquire of the Lord. So they took matters into their own hands and they don't bring God into the decision. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace. Oh no, right? He's not supposed to do that with them to let them live, and the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. So listen, they don't ask God. They don't try to discern in this particular moment, is this truly honoring God and his best for them? And it's actually going to lead them in the next chapter into a battle they shouldn't have been in because of the, the oath that they made here. So how? Here's our question. Do we make better decisions? How do we discern better? How do we get to better outcomes? Okay, if you're taking notes, first thing is this. We inquire and we invite God into those decisions, right? Just very simple. Just invite God into the decisions that you make. Well, how do I do that? Okay, I'll give you a couple ways that you can do that. First thing, through his word. How do you invite God into your decisions? Spend time in scripture. Fill your mind with the truth of God and his words. Okay, so, so think about this. When Jesus gets baptized, if you go read the uh, baptism account, immediately after he gets baptized, he comes up out of the water and the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, leads him into the desert to be tempted, right, by Satan. Um, I don't know what you did after your baptism weekend, right? Like, you probably went to dinner with family. I'm assuming the Spirit didn't show up and usher you into the wilderness to fast and then be tempted. But this is what Jesus gets. He goes into the wilderness, he fasts for 40 days, and then he's tempted. And I would argue, along with prayer and fasting, he was also studying and memorizing Scripture. Okay, why would you say that? Okay, because after the 40 days of fasting, when he's tempted, he just starts dropping verses on Satan, right? If you don't know the story, so, so Satan starts out small when he comes to tempt him. He's like, hey, how about you turn some stones into bread? Like, it won't even be a big deal. You're hungry, right? Like, God wants you to eat. He gave you an appetite. He understood you would be hungry. It's Palestine. There's rocks everywhere. No one's going to miss a couple, right? It's bread. Not a big deal. No one will know, just between you and me. And Jesus says, uh, excuse me, but man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God, right? Deuteronomy 8, to which I think Satan's going like, oh, I, I didn't even know that we were quoting scripture. Okay, two can play that game. And so then he goes from small, then he's going to go big. He's like, okay, well, how about this? We'll just change up how we make the attack. How about I just give you? What if I just give you all of the kingdoms of the world. You don't have to go through the cross. We'll short circuit that. Uh, I'll just give you the crown. All you have to do is kneel, right? Just touch your knee real quick, right back up. Probably no one's even going to see you, right? That's it. Or, or how about this? How about we go up on top of the Temple Mount, right? All the way to the top, and you just, you just swan dive, 
right off of that bad boy, right? And the angels will swoop in and scoop you up. It will be epic, right? Like this jaw-dropping, breathtaking entrance. Everyone will see you. Everyone will be impressed. Because listen, you know, Jesus, that God's word says, your, your daddy in his word says, the angels won't even let you stub your pinky toe. And Jesus is like, okay, one, you're taking that out of context. Two, I will see your Psalm 91, because that's what he's quoting, and I will raise you Deuteronomy 6, <laughs> all right? Um, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So keep in mind, Jesus, for sure hungry at this point, probably exhausted, maybe vulnerable. He could make a bad decision. His discernment could be off. But listen, he just has God's word on speed dial. I, I picture it like this. It's like, it's like the bumper pads. If you've ever gone bowling with kids or maybe just with yourself, you want the bumper pads so that when the ball starts heading towards the gutter, bounces it back towards the middle, bounces it back towards the middle. God's word will function like that. When you have scripture in your head, if you start to make a decision that's not in alignment, it'll kind of bump you back to, ah, that's not right. Verses start to pop up. Is this really what God wants? You fill your mind, right, with the truth of Christ. Listen to what David says. I just love the heart of David. Here's what David tells us, Psalm 119, verse 147. I rise before dawn, and I cry for help. I have put my hope in your word. So if you highlight in your Bible, or if you've got version. this is a great verse to highlight. David's up early in the morning, and he's in God's Word, and what? He's finding his hope right there, and direction. Okay, back in verse 97, David writes this, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate. I meditate on it all day long. So when is David filling his mind with the things of God? All day. He's just refilling it. Um, Psalm 63, Verse 5 and 6, here's what David writes. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest, the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Then watch verse 6. On my bed, I remember you. And he's talking about meditating on God's law. I remember you. I think of you, what? Through the watches of the night. Like, okay, listen, I read that. It sounds to me like a high school crush, right? That's what it reminds me of. Like, man, I just, I couldn't even sleep last night. I just laid in bed all night just thinking about you, right? Like writing your name with little hearts and kisses, right? Like Timmy, heart to dot the I, XOXOXO. That's how I picture it, right? Like, and if I said that to you, um, you would, it would freak you out a little, right? Like if I said, hey, I just laid in bed through the watches of the night, thinking about you. <laughs> he would be like, you should dial that back a little, Mr. Creepy. I know, right? It's a lot. It sounds a little obsessive. <laughs> but this is how much David just loves the Word of God, and he just fills his mind and his heart with that Word. Listen to um, what he says. We'll go to verse uh, somewhat 19, back in verse 95. Um, and keep in mind, David loves God's word so much that uh, as he's like running for his life because King Saul is trying to murder him, right? Uh, he's a 
fugitive, hiding out in caves, never knowing when someone is going to try and take his life. Like, none of us have that story. None of us understand that kind of pressure, right, where he's just running for his life because some psycho, maniacal king is trying to pin him to the wall with a spear. And this is what he writes, Psalm 119.95. Though the wicked hide along the way to kill me. And let's be clear, this is not figure of speech, right? Like, oh, I've got a mean boss. It feels like the wicked trying to kill me. Okay, not figure of speech, literally wicked, hiding along the way, trying to kill him. And he says, I will quietly keep my mind on your laws. So basically, he's saying, in all of this that I'm facing, I will quietly keep thinking about you, God, and about your laws, right? People are trying to kill me. Do you know what I need? A bodyguard, an assault rifle, a tank, an army, a sharp stick. Nope. You know what I need? I need to just quietly keep thinking about you and your word and your promises. Like that's different if you don't know. Morning, day, and night, he is filling his mind with the word of God. And listen, let's not pretend um, we're not aware. David had some outcomes he for sure regretted, right? He made some poor decisions. But I would argue that this practice was key in helping him navigate back to a better place so that he ends his life and is still known as the guy who was a man after God's own heart. So we fill our mind with the Word of God that will help you make better decisions. And then this, you want to make better decisions, have better outcomes, fewer regrets. Okay, two more things if you're making, taking notes. Holy Spirit and godly servants. I'll do these as a pair. Holy Spirit, godly servants. So in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 15, as we're learning about the early church and the beginning of the early church, we have these two early church leaders, Paul and Barnabas. And Paul and Barnabas, they're starting churches, they're winning people to Christ, and in this scene, in Acts 15, they've actually come back into Jerusalem, which is kind of the home base for the early church, as it's starting out. They come back to meet with James, who is Jesus' little brother, and the apostles and the elders there, to discuss what it is you have to do, right? What do, because now we're going outside of the Jews to Gentiles, what is it they really have to do to be followers of Jesus, right? What is it they need, uh, including do they need to be circumcised, <laughs> right? Which I, can you imagine? Um, oftentimes, we have a hard time getting guys to just, you know, come put on the free shorts and get in the water and be dunked for a second. Can you imagine if we traded the changing room for a scalpel and circumcision room? <laughs> right? Like, I feel like our numbers would go down on baptisms or circumcisions, right? Okay, so this is what they're discussing, though. And so it's these really weighty, important um, decisions, theological decisions they're trying to make. And so after some discussion, because they're going to get together and discuss, starting in Acts 15, verse 22, we're told about their decision. So through 22 towards the next few verses, basically they end saying this in verse 28. Watch what they record. For it... What's the word here? Seemed good. Okay, we'll talk about that. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few 
requirements. And here they are, verse 29. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols. And it goes into that a little bit. And then, so the other point, and from sexual immorality. Okay, so, so two things. No demon meat, right? Basically, if they've offered the food to a false god, to a false idol, don't eat it. And, and Paul would even suggest, and I believe 1 Corinthians 8, that, um, and let your conscience guide you there. Like, if they offered it to a false god and it bothers you, don't eat it. But ultimately, all barbecue is from God. So if you know that, then go ahead and eat it. Don't worry. But abstain from demon meat and um, honor God with your sex life. Like, that's it. There's the two things. Okay, so basically, it seemed right for us to, you know, um, simplify things and not create unnecessary barriers for people coming to Jesus. Let's just get those things out of the way so people can know him. That's what seemed good. Okay, so, so let's go with that. So what if, so what if scriptures, which we talked about point one, through God's word. So what if God's word doesn't speak directly to the decision you're trying to make? Well, we could say, just go with what seems right, right? Problem with that. If I go back into the Old Testament, I find a verse in Proverbs that suggests you could get a very unwanted outcome, right? Proverbs 14, verse 12 tells us this. There is a way that, what does it say? Seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Uh-oh, <laughs> that's not a good outcome. So which one is it, right? Do we go with... Paul and Barnabas or the Proverbs? Could it be both? Is that possible? Let's talk about it. Let's start with Proverbs. So there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. So, so you understand this. There are times that we want things. We want something, and, and it seems right. But it might not be in our best interest. It might not be the most beneficial. It may not be super healthy. Um, and, and you understand, there are times that the heart wants what the heart wants. Yeah? Problem is, sometimes the heart is jacked, man. Right? Jeremiah tells us the heart is wicked, right? Uh, deceived above all things. And sometimes wants not wise things. And oftentimes in the moment, you don't care. And here's what I know. You all have certain people in your life or that you know that will tell you that you're making the right decision, right? You do you, girl, right? You just go and live your best life. We all have those people. I know that there are certain people that if I ask them, they will tell me what I want to hear, right? We all know who those people are. Don't act like you don't know. But the problem is... Uh, Either maybe they're not wise when it comes to God's word and God's heart, which Proverbs would call, they're, they're just foolish, right? They may not mean bad, they just get their whatever theology from TikTok and it's not the most sound. <laughs> Those are my kids. Um, or maybe they're just the wrong kinds of people, right? So the wrong voices the wrong values, the wrong crowds, which Proverbs would call, they're actually wicked and they want bad things. And so sometimes you do something, right? You want something that seems right to you, but then it turns out to be really wrong and really hurtful and lots of regrets. But then back in Acts chapter 15, you have these spiritual leaders going, hey man, it seemed right. 
And because of that, we're going to build the foundation of the church, right? This is a big shift in pattern. Build that on something that seems right. Okay, Paul and Barnabas, how do you know you're discerning what is best? right? Like, how do you know this decision is going to make the church better? This is a weighty theological decision. This is going to cause problems on something that seems right. (laughs) What? Okay, well, if you pay attention to our text, you will actually find our last two points, the Holy Spirit and godly servants, wise counsel. Let's go back and look. So actually, let's read verse 22, where we're told this. Then the apostles and the elders, together with the whole church in Jerusalem, chose delegates. So listen, listen, this isn't in isolation. It's not just one person thinking, me, myself, and I got together, and this is what we decided is good. It's not your drinking buddies, right? It's not the gossip girls. This is elders. This is apostles weighing in. This is the whole church being in agreement. So... He says, for, in verse, back in verse 28, for it seemed good to who? To the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. And we saw the requirements a minute ago. So, something that seems right to a man or to a woman, that in the end it leads to death. Okay, that is very different than something that seems right to a community of faith-filled believers who love Jesus and they love Jesus' word and care not just about your now. What do you want right now that you need? Not just about your now, but they care about your always. And this is seeking the Holy Spirit. I'm really inviting him in. This is seeking the family of God. We're seeking some close friends that are wise counsel to help recognize and discern we really believe that this is God's best for you or this is God's direction or this is not really going to end well or whatever. We, we really see that. I feel the Holy Spirit affirming that. So listen, God's word, like the bumper pads, you have his word hidden deep in your heart, in your mind, that when you start to make those decisions, you'll feel it like bumping against you. Maybe not. The Holy Spirit right? We read it functions like a rudder in your conscience to help you. Now, you can sear your conscience. Paul tells us this in Timothy, but it's trying to help you navigate through the waters. And then wise counsel, godly men, godly women speaking in. Bounce it off them. Ask them, not just the people that'll tell you what you want to hear, the people that will tell you what you need to hear. You got to trust that. So, so close with this, right? All of those things, and they're simple, but they're so powerful, are intended to help you make better decisions, have better discernment, lead you to better outcomes and fewer regrets for your life so you can live the best and the fullest life possible, right? Kind of, they, they're kind of like a GPS, if you think. Do this, don't do that, go here, trust this, wait on this. But here's what I, I also know. So our family spent uh, several years doing ministry in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We spent time in DFW, um, other large cities we've been in. I, I love big cities. Um, offer lots, they're great, but they can be really tricky to navigate, right? Especially when you don't know them. Any place you don't know can be tricky to navigate, but large cities like, you know, Spaghetti Bowl where you have major highways all intersecting and crossing and it gets confusing. So much ridiculous road work all the time. 
I mean, kind of like 501, so, you know, not unlike this. <laughs> and I remember this. After uh, we just recently got to, to DFW, I had to go and get a new driver's license. So I'm trying to get to the DMV, and it's in South Dallas. And I'm like, I don't know where this place is at. I haven't been to this part of the uh, Metroplex. And so I put it in my maps, and I start heading that way. And it's quite a ways off, and, again, so much road work being done. And at one point, the, uh, the very polite lady voice on my maps, uh, she says, exit here. And I look and I'm like, I can't exit because it's closed for construction, right? So, so I go by it. And then again, very polite, she says, all right, exit here. And I'm like, I still, I still can't exit because it's still blocked off. And this goes on for a few miles to the point where she goes, proceed to the route, right? Proceed to the route. I'm like, I don't know how to proceed to the route because I don't know where I'm at. But probably if you've ever used the Maps app somewhere you don't know, you have probably had that experience where you're driving and maybe like the video's not keeping up with the instructions and you hear uh, the lady Maps voice or whatever your voice on yours is say, turn right. And you're like, okay, do I turn right right here or do I turn right at the next right that's coming up, right? Like, is this a hard right or the next right? I don't know which one it is. And then for me, I start to panic. I'm like, what if I take the wrong turn? What if this isn't the right one? I don't know. What if I mess up and I never find my way, <laughs> right? And then I take the wrong turn because I often do. And immediately the little voice starts going, rerouting, <laughs> right? rerouting, immediately plotting a path to get me back to my right destination. And here's what I know. In a room like this, no doubt there are some of you in the room right now and your life feels that way. You've made a wrong turn or a couple wrong turns. You've made some really bad decisions and it's led to some painful or unwanted or hurtful or broken outcomes. Listen, Paul tells us in Romans 8, God is working all things out, all things for the good of those who love him. So, so hear me very clearly on this. One wrong turn will not keep you away from God's right path and his ultimate destination for his and for your best. Some of you, you've made quite a few wrong turns. And, and maybe you're still on a very scenic route. You know what I'm talking about? You're on that route. Okay, but even still, the voice of the Spirit is still now. And if you listen, I'm telling you always, rerouting, rerouting, seeking to take you back to God's best for your life. The good news is that our good God has a way of bringing out really good things, even from really wrong turns. That's just how good and awesome he is. So maybe you're going, hey, I should have never, I should have never dated her. I should have never got into that relationship. Okay, maybe that's true. And, and the fact that her nickname was Cruella DeVille, like should have been a clear indicator to stay away from that. All right, but you didn't. Okay, but, but now you can understand what a really godly woman looks like so that when God brings you a good woman who would honor, love, respect you, 
then, then you will recognize that. Or maybe you're going, man, I never, I never should have trusted that person. He, he totally ripped me off. Okay, yeah, maybe so. And it may cost you for a while, and it may cause some really inconvenient consequences. Okay, but, but you can also learn forgiveness, and you're becoming more and more like Christ in that. Or maybe you're going, I should have never lied. I should have never betrayed them. That has now cost me so much. That has hurt so much. I've lost so much. Okay, I know. I know. And it may hurt for a while, and it may cause some things that have to really be worked through for a season. But now you are understanding the beauty and the hope and the power of God's grace like never before. God is good enough to work in all, in all of your wrong turns, right? And he will never, listen, he will never waste a wrong turn if you trust him. So here's what I want us to do. You know, we've had takeaways in each of these moments. I want you to spend some time this week, put down the phone uh, with your spouse, with your family, with close friends, and talk about how am I doing? <laughs> am I really spending time in God's Word and asking Him to fill my mind with His truth, like the bumper pads, so that when dumb decisions try to entice me, I just can't. Am I asking the Holy Spirit, hey, guide me, because I really want this thing, it really seems right, and I know it's selfish, so help me. Push me back, strengthen me. Are you sitting with wise counsel? And talk, like, be honest, how are we doing? Are you doing good? Am I doing good? Let's talk. Uh, as we stand here in just a moment to sing, maybe you spend some time in prayer asking about that or go visit um, one of our prayer team as you take communion. How are you? Just like between you and God, be honest and invite him. Invite him in. Say, I want to make better decisions. I want things to go towards better outcomes. And then, and then maybe this. Maybe you're in the room right now and your next turn and the better or best thing you can do right now right now is to just give your life to Christ, to get back onto the path or to start on the path of so much good that he intended for you. Here's what I'm going to do. God's just compelling me right now. We're just going to take a moment and pray. And if that's you in the room and you're like, yes, I've been taking wrong turns. I need to be rerouted back to him because I want better outcomes and this isn't working. Or you've just never made that decision to take the step of faith. You could do that right now. So I'm going to invite you, every head bowed, every eye closed. And if that is you, I would just invite you to pray this prayer along with me. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for loving me. God, thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he rose again. God, forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me, help me, help me face the challenges I'm up against. I surrender my life to you. All right, listen, if you're in the room and that is the decision God has put on your heart and you made that, we would love to meet you. Come um, to our Connect Corner. Let's say hi, come find me. We want to pray with you and encourage you. For the rest of us, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And I invite you to inquire of God. Invite him 
into your decisions. Let's sing, stand and sing.